So those churches really have got to prioritize discipleship with leadership in mind. Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, and today I've got a special guest. He's a good friend. Met him through another good friend. Um, met him in person. Not as tall as I thought he was. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing because he can probably, you know, wipe the floor with me. I don't hit the gym and I'm pretty sure he hits the gym harder than I hit food. So <laughs> but, uh, I've, <laughs> I've got Bradley Lincolns with me. Hey, Bradley. How you doing, man? Good to be on here. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you. Um, I'm just kidding. So I got to know Bradley through uh, Damien. Uh, is it Serencion? Like, how do you say his last name? Serencioni. Yeah, he's, he's full on uh, Italian. You got to that Serencioni. <laughs> yeah. Can I say he's like fake Italian? Because he doesn't sound Italian at all. Uh, yeah. He... <laughs> 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 we won't, well, that's another episode. <laughs> Somewhere in his history is Italian. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I figured Bradley would be a great guy to have on the podcast. So, Bradley. Um, you know, does this discipleship stuff uh, for the Nevada Baptist Convention, and uh, there's a lot of similarities. If you're not if you're not familiar with Nevada, it's a lot of similarities. You've got what 175, 177 churches, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, most of them are spread out through these small mining communities. You've got you know your two big population centers. So if you're from Newfoundland, you're listening, you already see the similarities of fishing communities. We've got the East Coast, West Coast, and some you know bigger pop-ups through Central Newfoundland. But most of your churches would be smaller churches, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with that, like I figured it would be great for our people to hear you know, how you're going about doing discipleship and evangelism training and kind of maybe give us ideas for what we do here. So Bradley, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us about you know, yourself, your family, how long you've been in the ministry, all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, uh, Bradley Lincolns, I uh, I grew up on the East Coast, actually, um, but I was all over the place for, for school and um, moved to Seattle in 2000, uh, 2001 to go to seminary and um, just fell in love with that area, the mountains and the water and everything. Um, and um, so started uh, pastoral ministry then. So I've been, you know, about 22 years, I guess. Uh, in ministry, most of that as a pastor, different level, different um, positions in the churches, um, helped replant a church up there in Seattle, uh, did a little bit of revitalization. I spent most of my life, though, in rural churches in Mississippi, Alabama, you know, and uh, and so I, it's been a while since I've been in a rural church um as far as like working at a church like that but that's what i grew up in you know that's so i was thinking uh somebody asked me before like why how do you why are you qualified or how, how can you help rural <laughs> churches and i'm like well that's all i knew growing up you know i know mm -hmm. that life and so um anyway moved to seattle uh and was in a relatively small church there 
um, and met my wife a year later. She came and started working at our school. We had a Christian school at that at that church, and uh, I had no competition, man. It was me, mostly old people in that church. And then she walks in, and it was like meant it was meant to be. So um, it was us <laughs> in the youth group. So um, so anyway, uh, we've got married in two thousand four. We have four kids, uh, eighteen. Uh, we have three boys, eighteen. 16 and 12 and then my daughter is eight had her here she's the only one born here everybody else is born up there um and so moved down to nevada in 2013 here to las vegas to take on a a, a role as a as a, a worship pastor and got into discipleship um i always had done small groups and you know discipleship stuff uh in different roles i had but i actually mm-hmm on that position in that church after I moved down here. It wasn't what I was hired for. Um, and then I eventually moved into this other church where my, my buddy Damien uh, was the executive pastor. He hired me to come on and help with their discipleship process and small groups, stuff like that, at um, a large church here in Vegas. And I was there for almost five years. And, and um, he jumped over to be the executive director for the Nevada Baptist Convention. And um, about six months or so later, um, I guess, yeah, about six months or so, we, we started uh, talking about me coming on with him. Um, jumped on in June of 2022, and so I've been about a year and a half here, and love it, love what I get to do, love the people I get to meet. So um, so that's it. In a nutshell, that's the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember Damien saying, like, he was remembering on this uh, young guy, and, uh, you know, we were going to love him, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we do, actually. We got to meet you guys just what was it you know a month and a half ago um <clears throat> for your convention and that was fantastic love meeting you guys that you pastor with and that you lead and uh who you try to resource and i've made some really good friends not just you and damien but some of your pastors too i still talk to um, yeah. and that, that was just a real encouragement for me like nevada is my state like I, i'm you can adopt me and i'll adopt you <laughs> <laughs> sounds good because i kind of feel like i'm a um uh, when I talk to you guys, I'm like, I think I'm Canadian, maybe. So <laughs> I just have a little bit of a different take on things. I'm okay with a little cynicism in my life, and and I love the water. So there you go. <laughs> well, maybe more Newfoundland than Canadian, right? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some and, water uh, and some cold weather, and I'm happy, man. There you go. I'll get you to some saltwater beaches out here. And yeah, cause you you love the rain and fog too, don't you? I do. Yeah. That's my happy place, man. That's a, that's a beautiful day for me. Yeah. If, if I had a window, I'd show you right now because it's foggy and rainy and it's supposed to snow in like another like three to four hours. Okay. All right. (laughs) I love it. I love some, I love some good cold weather. So. All right, Bradley. Um, so you're, like I said, you're the discipleship, you're the discipleship strategist for the NBC. Uh, we said most of your churches are smaller so like what ways in the last you know year, almost two years, have you been coming alongside of them uh, and working to try and encourage them and equip them? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I'll just say um, I still feel like we're working out our strategy. We kind of know what we're trying to do, um, but it is a long game. Right. So I think one of the things that that Damien and I both do well is relationships and we really have have made an effort just to get to know the pastors in our state. And now there's two, I mean, we have a 
you know, we have a staff of uh, six or seven people, but um, doing what we're doing, uh, you know, we 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 want to get to connect with every pastor in our state. But that takes time because we got in a smaller convention like ours. Um, if we were in a different church every Sunday, you know, it would take several years for us to be in every one once. So um, and then we're trying to be a part of our churches. So, you know, that we're that our families are at. So um, so I'll just say, like, we, we have a long game at some level, but we have really made an effort to do as much as we can to be around all the pastors. So I can't necessarily be in every every church on a Sunday, but we we do try to get do event do events and um, activities in different parts of the state to give our ch- pastors a chance to come together. So what we have started out with is just really emphasize connecting pastors. That's the biggest thing. If I can get 30 pastors in a room, I, I've got 30 practitioners. I'm not an expert. I've done the work, but there's guys that have done it longer and shorter than I have in the in those rooms. When I get guys, we get guys together. We got a bunch of different perspectives. We got a bunch of experts who are coming together and share, giving insight to one another. And so there's a win right there is if I can get pastors together, then they can begin to support each other and encourage each other. Um, even when I when we can't get around to them, you know, and there may be some pastors that strengthen each other better than we can because of our experiences. So um, so we have made a, a lot of effort in the last year and a half to be around pastors. We have different events that we have in Las Vegas, um, which is our biggest um, area. I mean, 66 percent, I think, of our churches are in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and which is why our headquarters is, is down here now. Um, we used to be up in Reno, Carson City, um, have a, a stronger presence there. But but we have a lot of churches there, too. So um, but then you have a lot of rural churches, almost all rural churches, I guess, in the northeast part of the state. Those are hard to get to because we got to fly into Reno or fly into Salt Lake City and drive a few hours to a point place where we can actually be in a central location to bring pastors together. That's really difficult, but we prioritize doing that. Like we feel like that's worth the time and the money to get there, even if it's twice a year that we can be in their turf. We can be around those guys and they can we can provide a place where they're more accessible. Those guys probably aren't going to drive much to come to Vegas for an event we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Though some some do, you know, our annual meeting, different things like that. But we at least want to try to make an effort at least twice a year to be up in their area. Uh, Reno is an easy flight, uh, you know, to get to Reno is easy. It's the other churches, the the more rural churches that are more difficult. Yeah. Um, but we have seen such a, a huge return on that because the pastors are beginning to trust us, to know us, to learn, you know, that we even just care about them. You know, I can be a, an expert on anything, but if I don't care for them, I don't care about them, uh, it's not going to, they're not going to seek us out for uh, for advice or for direction, you know, but if we care for them, um, man, we, we have an opportunity to speak into what they're doing and also put them around other pastors who are able to speak into what they're doing. Um, so the biggest thing we've done is try to build unity with our, within our state. We have a long way to go still, but we've made a lot of progress in that. I mean, you guys have experienced that being here at our annual meeting, the people who were there, um, you know, some of them came from other parts of our state they're invested, they're invested in one another Mm-hmm. And they're networking constantly. So, um, so we, I, I try to bring training. You know, if I, which I just come, hey, come out, hang out, hang out with us. We, we come to hang out. We also try to provide some sort of training 
or resources when we come to those places. Um, and we're still working on doing more of that, but, uh, building relationships is the biggest thing we've done. Um, and now we've earned, I think the right to bring resources to speak into the church, the lives of the churches. And in these times of networking, we're learning who are the pastors who are really good at certain things that we can connect with other churches that might need something that I can speak into it, but there might be a, a much better pastor who can speak uh, more life into a particular situation. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good stuff, man. Especially because, like, isn't it like a what seven hour drive almost from Las Vegas to Reno? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's so relatable because from the from St. John's all the way to the west coast of the island to the next city over there, Cornerbrook, it's a seven hour drive. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so, so it kind of tells you the size of the island, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's so it's so relatable that as as Model One Mission grows and we look to have churches across the island, and Cornerbrook's one of the places we're looking at. Um, you know, eventually for someone to get from from point A to point B across the island, that's a seven hour drive. And for us, it's yeah. expensive to fly within the province, so that seven oh, eight hour yeah. drive is worth it. <laughs> yeah. So you need we need to raise money for a a, a chopper or some some kind of personal. <laughs> Yeah, we used to we used to have a train uh, that went across the province like years ago, like back in the early like 1900s, and uh, it was so slow they actually called it a Newfie Bullet, <laughs> which tells you our humor, right? It's slow. Yeah, that's and awesome. Takes forever. We call it Newfie Bullet. <laughs> yeah, right, man. no man. The we get that in, in yeah. I mean, it's fortunately Reno's a, a 45 minute flight you know, an hour flight at the most, mm. you know, it's an easy flight, but, and we have a car up there that we leave there that, but then once we land there, if we want to go to the world, you know, we're looking at a three and a half hour drive to get to those places. Um, like I said, though, we, it's just worth it. If we can do that twice a year, that means a lot to those mm. pastors and they'll drive three hours to get to it, you know, to come to something just because they, they're, they're craving the connection. Um, they're craving the input. A lot of the pastors there are kind of jumped into roles they weren't anticipating, yep. but some they just there's a need, and so they've like, okay, I'll, I'm qualified. I'll be a pastor. I'll, I'll do it. I'll step up and take the the responsibility. We want to help resource them. We want to help give them the training they need and give them encouragement. Um, it it takes time to get there, and that's it's just worth it's worth the investment of the time is what we found. Uh, absolutely. Uh... I don't know about you, but I can imagine that there's probably some um, maybe skepticism at times of like, why does Vegas get so much attention when there's needs elsewhere? Because yeah. that happens so much here. Like, why does St. John's get all the attention when there's all these smaller churches? Like, what about us? So for you guys to make that effort to go out there, uh, something for us to take note of as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, man, you just do your best. You, you It's not realistic for us to be there every month you know i mean it just can't happen we do have a guy up there uh who's one of our part-timers and he you know he, he often does go visits in those churches that's helpful um and just he's actually called um i mean his role is pastoral connections that's his his own his job is to go and just be a face be be a presence and um and you know ted, i think you've met ted probably 
uh, he's always feeling like he should do more. And I'm like, you don't understand how much just you being there means to these guys. You know, we can't do that as often as you can. Um, And he doesn't have, he never was a pastor. He doesn't have as much pastoral experience, but that is, that's not what they need every time. They need to know that they're known. They need to know that they're loved. Mm-hmm. And then when we come up there, it feels like, I mean, he's laid ground relational groundwork that we can build on, you know? And so, um, you know, God's just given us a good team uh, of guys that are of individuals who are connected and love each other and, and are committed to, um, to doing what we can to make those guys feel, feel heard, feel loved. And, and that was one of the concerns when, the, when we moved the headquarters down here, the pastors that were up there for a dec- you know, for a long time, that, the convention headquarters was up in Reno. Yep. Um, and they said, how are you guys going to make us still feel connected? And because um, I think Vegas got it's Vegas churches like, who cares? You know, who cares, who cares if we're connected? <laughs> um, but that was important to them. And so we just said, look, we'll, we'll do everything we can to be present. So now, uh, you know, a, a Zoom call here and there can help. That can't be all we do. Zoom does or these types of situations do help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, 20 years ago, we couldn't have done what we're doing right now, you know, even no, five right. years, we probably wouldn't have, um, before, you know, so the, this has opened up doors as well. Even in the rural churches, I've zoomed in for things when I couldn't be there. It's not the same, but it does provide one more connecting piece. So. Absolutely. Um, so why, why should we be looking to strengthen rural churches, not just the mega churches? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, there's lost people out there in those churches and those um, communities. Right. So, so, uh, at the core of the same thing, the mega churches, the little churches all have the same core responsibility to make disciples. So, uh, you're going to have different dynamics in different size churches. You're going to have different programs. Um, and we're not speaking into that. I, I want to equip disciple makers. Um, I want to bring in disciple making resources that are uh, able to be contextualized in various places. Right. So um, what I've what I've discovered, though, about rural churches is they don't have the same access that other churches have. The bigger churches have so bigger churches have more money. And not only that, like. You're in Vegas, you can hop on a flight and go just about anywhere and almost a nonstop anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can access all these great resources. I can be in Dallas in two and a half hours. And there's I mean, Texas has so many churches and so many like things that they have to offer. Um, but our rural church pastors, most of them are bivocational. Um, they don't they literally can't. They don't have the time or the money. They, they don't have the ability to take off a few days to go somewhere to get trained in something. And so um, for us, we think about our rural churches. We think about our larger churches. One of the things we're trying to do is build a perspective of um, a, a kingdom minded equipping of one another. So um, so if I can get uh, our larger churches uh, in some of our bigger cities to help um, take take in, uh, interest in one of the smaller churches, some of the rural churches, to provide resources, um, to provide training, to to be a presence, to come help preach once in a while, you know, things like that. 
um, it helps them because they they just can't or they don't always have the resources to th- themselves. And so we're we're trying to, but they have the same needs. Discipleship. They don't they don't need to know how to put a big you know EP projection on the on the screen in their church to have this big show. They need just like the rest of us to be able to make disciples. Um, they, they, preachers need to know how to preach. That's one of the weaknesses there is these guys will step in the pastor because they care about people, but they need to learn how to preach and they need to learn how to do different things that pastors do. You know, um, the rural churches don't have the access to to things. So that's our, we feel like that's our responsibility to bring it to them. No, that's, that's really good, man. We were just talking actually over lunch about your chances of actually being of a, a pastoring at a large church. And I can't remember the exact stats, but uh, basically even in the SBC, majority of your churches, I think are like under, under 250. Um, yeah. Which means, you know, we shouldn't be coming out of seminary or Bible college or whatever it is thinking, I'm going to this mega church. Like you're probably going to end up at a small rural church and there's nothing wrong with that. Right, uh, but you should be kind of training yourself now, looking ahead to the point of, I'm going to be in a rural area. What does that look like? You know, how do I connect with people like you and Damien, and get resource and you know work together to reach my state, right? My on the state level, city level, community level, whatever it is. Yeah, and- yeah. We we we're trying to bring a. Um, a state mindset of like we're in this together in these different communities, different different cities. Vegas is very different than Battle Mountain, right? I mean, Battle Mountain is like northeast, sort of northeast Nevada. Most people have never heard of that. that you town. really have a spot called Battle Mountain? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, can you imagine Battle Mountain Baptist Church? That's an amazing name. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's First Baptist of Battle Mountain or something like that. And um, there's another. What a waste. What a waste. Like, I would definitely have done Battle Mountain Baptist Church. Yeah, like. that, that, should, that, should, that would be. Uh, there, I think we have two churches in that in that city or that town. It's not a city. It's a town. Um, I think there's more hotels than, than uh, it's, interestingly, there's hmm. in churches. But there's we have some good dudes up there. I mean, those guys are they're they're focused on discipleship you know and and they're using the resources seeking it out when we can when we another thing we do um we have guys that are we have not just guys we have um men and women on our our executive board yep not just from big churches so we have small churches represented we have small towns represented our board is representative of our state and that's one of the things i think is cool mm. um you know it's not just the the big churches so in fact, the, sometimes the bigger churches are harder. They got they don't have time for that, you know. So, um, so anyway, uh, I love the the rural churches, but you're the thing is when guys go to seminary, um, they have a lot of these grandiose ideas of what it's going to be like, and so you know, they they think like going to a rural community is hard. One financially, it's hard. A lot of these guys have to go in knowing they're going to be bi- bivocational. Right. So I actually think for the for the longevity of the church in the rural in the rural communities, it's more important for them to be able to um, to disciple leaders, um, because I think their best pastors and best church planters are going to come from from within. Mm -hmm. They're not going to come, 
you know, we got a lot of guys coming from Alabama to help to work plant churches in Las Vegas. Those guys aren't going to come plant churches in in these these little gold mining towns. Uh, it, it's not it doesn't financially make sense to them, you know. So those churches really have got to prioritize discipleship with leadership in mind um, if the church is going to be sustainable in those in those communities. So. No, that's great. And I love it because I'm thinking like long term for Mile One Mission. And as we look, because we, we want to hit other communities, like I said, there's Cornerbrook, there's Grand Falls, there's Gander. Um, and some of those have like 16,000 people. Some have like you know, 10,000 people. Um, and it's it's something to think about. It's like, how do we go in? Like what, how we're going to approach this in a smaller setting, right? Yeah. And I'm saying rural churches and because, I mean, anyone listening would be like, well, you're planting in the city for Mile One Mission, but yeah, but most of our churches are only going to be about 200 people, right? right. I mean, right. that's I think that's one thing you guys like about us, that we're not looking to plant these mega churches. We're planting these mom and pop churches of 200 people throughout the city. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so have you found in your, I mean, I know it's only been a short time, but have there been things for you that have worked, some that haven't worked? Like, What have you learned in, the, in your job so far? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that question because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still... I'm still, tr- I'm still learning. I feel like I'm still even learning personalities here. Um, you know, but, um, uh, and first of all, we love you guys because we, we can learn from you. And one of the things that you guys have is it, like, there's a value in the hard work of leading a small church. And, mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to make sure, um, our pastors understand, like we, we value that. Um, so what has worked is, um being okay with smaller training events uh not feeling like everything's got to be a big you know like what some organizations might feel like is a home run right yeah um, yeah one of our national organizations has come out here and do um some trainings with a they want to have like 120 people at each of their events and one of them's up in the north northeast i'm like we have 20 churches in the Northeast. What I'm going to gonna get to 120 people, you know? <laughs> so le- just learning the culture of it's okay to, to bring smaller, smaller events that are, um, that, that are like, first of all, w- the, the biggest thing I've learned is make it worth their time. Mm-hmm. If I've got a guy driving three hours, I want whatever I'm doing with them to make it worth their time. Even if it's in, if if it's an, a, a, a pastor's connect, I want to make sure that they feel connected. Like, in other words, I want them to feel like I'm just, I'm trying to connect with every pastor that's there. I'm not trying to leave anybody out. I want to listen to their stories. I want to get to know them. I think um, I think about this one guy. We have a an Indian reservation up uh, up north called Oahe. This pastor there is awesome, man, and he'll drive three hours to get to us. I want to hear his story. I'm asking questions about his history, you know, how he came to that church. He's, um, you know, his, uh, his background is not, he's not of the same, uh, tribe, but, but because he's native American, he has an ability to pastor that church. in ways that maybe I wouldn't, you and I would not have the opportunity. Right. Um, so even you guys understand that, you know, being where you're from. Um, so, so, Guys like that, I'm like, I want them to feel known. And so I've learned relationships are important. 
but I want that time with them to be valuable. I want, I don't want him to come three hours and be like, why did I do this? You know? Mm -hmm. So making sure whatever we're doing is valuable. It's not long. Like I'm not trying to bring long for most of the things we do. We want to be kind of concise, like, Hey, let's spend, you know, a a short amount of time training. That's powerful. It's, it's packed, packed with good information, but um, these guys are going to come for up there for an eight hour event, you know? Um, But then, also making them invited to whatever we're doing. So if we do a big event down here in Vegas, like what you guys came to our discipleship conference we had, that was a big win. We had 80, 80 people come to that discipleship conference, you know, and um, for us, for our state, that was huge. We had people from all over the state. We had you guys there, you know, you guys won for the furthest distance, I think. Um, <laughs> but that wouldn't have happened had we not laid the relational groundwork first. Yeah. Not with only with us, but with the discipleship ministry, Disciple First, um, that we've worked with for a year, building the relationships. So I what I have learned is relationships give you the right to speak into somebody's ministry. Um, and so all these little things that we do, they're important. They're cons- we try to be consistent with them. Like be regular and how often we're being up there um, and making sure we do it well, making sure we're good with our time frames and everything. But then when we have bigger events, we do them really well. We want to make it worth the time and money. Those guys, you know, will spend to, to be there. Um, so our, um, our, what we've done so far, most of the things have worked um, as far as training events, resourcing, because we prioritize relationships, what hasn't worked I would say uh, I would say at this point, the only thing I really have struggled with is joint evangelism um, efforts. Um, And I don't know that that's a necessarily bad thing. I'm not trying to come and replace what church is trying to do. You know, like they have I want them to do evangelism in their own communities. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like we have the Super Bowl coming up and we try to get some guys, you know, some people on board with doing some Super Bowl outreach, but every church really has a different idea on what that's going to look like. And they're trying to reach their own, their, their neighborhoods and things like that. So I don't really need know that I, I need to do a whole lot to create those events for the churches more than anything. I just want to challenge them and call them to doing evangelistic work. You know, just like you guys are doing things contextualized to your, your communities. We want to see that happening with our churches and, um, so that's the only thing we've, we've, that we've tried to get off the ground that hasn't really has been more difficult is, as um, evangelism efforts, doing, doing projects together. Um, but the training stuff, man, has been good. It's been, it's, everything so far has it's been encouraging. Yeah. And I'm, I'm praying for you. You see some real fruit from that, right? Uh, it's just really encouraged to see when we we're there with you guys. Um, and I'm sharing this just so anyone listening, because, you know, uh, it's fun, Danny, to see like, oh, yeah, you know, Adam's traveling and Shane is traveling and Steve is traveling. But what kind of what's what where's the fruit? Right. Um, mm. But yet we had like probably one of the least churched uh, states <laughs> want to partner with one of the least church, at least cities in in. Um, Newfoundland, but Newfoundland even feels like it's the run of the litter compared to the rest of Canada. Mm, yeah, yeah. forgotten. People don't care about us, and we also care about how it's pronounced, right? So, anyone listening, it is Nevada, not Nevada. Right. 
That's right. <laughs> and I gotta give I gotta give Bradley props. He did really try hard at spelling saying Newfoundland right while we were there. Um, I won't put you on the spot now, but <laughs> well, man, I tell people all the time. I make sure that they they look at these guys. We want them to say our state right. We're gonna mm-hmm. say theirs correctly. So <laughs> preach, preach. All right, man. Um, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, you. My last question. We were kind of already touched on how you kind of work to make people feel like you know they're not being left out. And yeah, I just want to encourage you and uh, what you're doing. You and Damien. I mean, I know you're new, both new to the role, uh, but yeah, I look forward to partnering with with you more. And for anyone listening who's not, you know, you're like, okay, I'm listening to this, and I hope you've gotten this far. But you're like, I'm not a pastor. I'm just an average person listening to this. Um, the key thing I think that you want to take from this and is what Bradley said is that relationships not only give you the right to speak in someone's ministry but also speaking through life um i have had, i've had moments where i've helped someone move from one house to another and my relationship with them drastically changed and because i took the time to be a part of their story um so if you're listening and you're like how do i disciple how do i do this in the rural area wherever i find myself invest in those relationships be your friends with people even if they're not christian even if they come out to church and decide not to keep being their friend um, and then, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. You know, that, that's what it's about. Yeah, man, so, you know, we, we uh, just to, to encourage you guys, um, when you came out here and we just we feel like kindred spirits with you guys. We, we love what you're doing. We we recognize and appreciate the work that you guys put in knowing you're going to be small churches, smaller churches. And it's weird for me to say I grew up in churches of like 20 people. So it's even that is like <laughs> 200 people. Um, but but most of our churches are like 20 to 30, 50. You know, so we have very small churches here. And, and I know that there is a similarity of how you guys are approaching your work and how we have to approach ours. So we come into this relationship uh, knowing that we have resources that maybe we can share with you guys, but we are learning. We have so much to learn from you guys about one, just being okay, serving in these smaller communities and understanding that we are at the core. We're, we're making, we're here to make disciples. We're not here to build big churches. We're here to make disciples. That is what the work is. Mm-hmm. And that we see you guys doing that. And so we know this partnership truly like whatever that looks like, we want to be around you guys so we can learn and we can share. And you guys are coming here because you have some things you can learn from us and you can share with us. Like there was a, is a true, true, true relationship that is building both directions. And, and we're just excited. We love that. We love to have, we love to be a part of what you guys are doing. And the pastors that you connected with are like my best friend, like my friends, you know, like these are, <laughs> there's our pastors are like, they are be- we are friends with them. And, mm-hmm. and the ones that I spent, I see, I feel like I spend most of my time, like you're listing out these guys that are on your, that are taking interest in your ministry. I'm like, these are the guys I hang out with. I love it. I love the fact that, um, that we're, we're so intertwined theologically and, and philosophically what we're doing. So it's, it's awesome. Let's go kingdom collaboration. That's yeah. one of my, that's one of my values downtown. So I will throw that in there. I love it. <laughs> All right, Bradley. Thanks for your time, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thank you for uh, letting me be on here. I mean, we're just praying for you guys and love what you're doing. All right. So if you're listening, uh, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to hear this. Hope you took something from it. Be praying for Bradley and Damien in Nevada. 
uh, and look forward to hearing more things about how we're working together. Until then, we'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.